You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. <laughs> buns, buns, buns. Hi, everyone. Steven here. And before we get episode eight going, which also happens to be our first ever live audience recorded episode, I'm excited to announce that as of yesterday, tickets for our second live podcast recording event are now available. On Wednesday, August 23rd, you can join me and the team at Co-Power's beautiful Brick and Beam downtown Toronto's headquarters. If you've yet to see the pictures from our first live event, you can check them out on our Instagram page, at Sustainable Joes. It is absolutely stunning. You can find the link for tickets in this episode's description. And remember, refreshments are included by Steam Whistle, not to mention half of ticket sales go to charity. So mark your calendars, and we look forward to seeing you there. Lastly, I want to give a quick thank you to CoPower. CoPower brings together the best of impact investing, clean energy, and fintech. They are an investment company that issues green bonds, but we're not talking about, you know, regular bonds that pay 1% to 2%. CoPower's five-year green bonds offer 5% annually while helping support the development of clean energy across North America. Think solar, geothermal, LED retrofits, projects that help fight climate change and that you'll feel good about investing in. You can learn how to put the planet in your portfolio by visiting copower.me. Now it's time for today's episode, recorded at our first live event in Toronto, Ontario with the CEO of NanoLeaf, Mr. Jimmy Chu. I hope you enjoy. For us as a company, our goal is to make an impact. And what we found was that by expanding our technology to also include design, include user experience, and embed the energy efficiency aspects into it, then we were able to reach a much larger audience. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow, creating a sustainable future for all, told by the people building it today. Hi. I'm Steven Such, and today I get to share our first live audience recorded episode with you. In this unedited and candid episode of 2084, I sit down with Mr. Jimmy Chu, the CEO of NanoLeaf, a Toronto-based company which invented the world's most efficient LED and works to revolutionize the future of lighting. In this illuminating conversation, Jimmy shed some light on both the dark and bright times of being an entrepreneur. He gives his take on sustainability, provides an interesting marketing approach, and fields some rather thought-provoking questions from the audience. Ultimately, from humble beginnings to the Museum of Modern Art in Manhattan, Jimmy Chu and the team at NanoLeaf are designing a brighter future for all of us. This is part one of our first ever live audience podcast recording. I hope you enjoy. So I thank each of you for being here this evening. I ask you to please put your phones on silent and I hope you enjoy. Jimmy, with this beautiful device, you are first up on the hot seat, my friend. Thank you very much. Does anybody need another beverage, by the way? Take it while it's hot or take it while the beer is cold and the opportunity is hot. It'll, it'll make the talk better. It will, <laughs> trust me. All right, let's get this going. Jimmy, my friend, thank you for sitting down with us today. Thanks for having me. I also want to start with first saying, everybody, uh, at our first live event podcast recording, 
Jimmy just got engaged. So can we say congratulations to Jimmy? Thank you, thank you. So we'll, we'll start with the idea behind the 2084 podcast. When you think of the world in the year 2084, what type of world do you think of? Uh, as an entrepreneur, I, I think I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist. And uh, I guess the way that I look at sustainability is, you know, all these entrepreneurs are doing great things and trying to solve a lot of the world's problems. And by 2084, my, my hope is that we're closer to that. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I have an idea of what that looks like. Um, and what, what is that? Well, it's, it's, it's everything that everyone's developing around solar technology, around the different business models to promote sustainability. It's around, um, you know, technologies that don't require us to tr travel so far or use, use a lot of planes. Or it's, it's, it's this whole world just evolving to actually get through this little hump that we're in right now, which is, hey, we just figured out we could do all this stuff with tech. Now, how do we do it in a way that's going to last us, you know, for generations? So you have a tech company, it's called NanoLeaf. Can you explain to everybody what NanoLeaf is and, and kind of give us a little bit of the history? Sure, um, so NanoLeaf, it was, it was founded by three uh, Toronto guys. So myself and uh, Thomas Rodinger, as well as uh, one of my best friends, Christian, Christian Yan. Um, we were all buddies um, from U of T. Uh, we were part of the University of Toronto solar car team. So for some of you guys, I'm not sure if you guys have seen, um, is basically uh, a group of students at U of T that come together and build this car fully powered by solar energy. Um, so we, we got together after we graduated and we wanted to take some of our, our knowledge and skills around creating solar technology to create a product that was actually useful for the world, right? Uh, you know, after we graduated, we went into the, the corporate world. Well, I went into the corporate world. Um, you know, my, my, my buddy Christian, he went into manufacturing in China. And we thought, hey, we're, we're doing all these things, but it has nothing to do with what we studied in school, which was electrical engineering, which was, you know, building this really cool solar car, right? How do we actually, like, do something that's actually impactful for, for the world? And, and this was back before being an entrepreneur was this, like, cool thing. You know, back then, <laughs> being a corporate guy, you know, it was, it was all right. Like, it was good life. Had security, money. Yeah, yeah, security, money. You know, you get to travel around a lot and wear suits, whatever. Um, it, was, it wasn't a bad life, um, but we, we started working on this solar product just for, as a hobby, the three of us. Um, you know, I'd travel over to Asia and we'd be like, okay, well, how do we manufacture this thing? And then eventually we, we kind of got stuck and we didn't know how to ship lithium ion, right? Like no, no ship would take it. You can't even bring it on planes. Um, and we thought, okay, well, the only people that would really require this solar system are, are people in, in Africa. So we thought, okay, well, why don't we make a really energy efficient light bulb to go with our, our solar system? So we ended up uh, spending about a year developing this really, really energy efficient light bulb that was supposed to work off our solar system. And uh, we came up with the world's most energy efficient light bulb. Um, and you know, at the time, we didn't know it was the most efficient light bulb in the world, but we, we started looking up like all the other companies out there, like Philips, Osram, GE, and it was like, Everything was around like 70 lumens per watt. We had hit about 150. So we were about twice as energy efficient. I was like, how did, how did we just do this, right? Why is it that, you know, three, uh, you know, three amateurs creating, creating electronics could create something twice as energy efficient as anything out there? So we ended up launching it on Kickstarter. We, we raised about $270,000 and, and then all of a sudden we became a lighting company. 
um, you know, without even really aspiring to be a lighting company, right? But even at that time, we were like, uh, we, we originally called our product the Nano Light because our solar product was called the Nano Grid. But we were like, you know what, we don't, we don't want to really be restricted to just lighting products. We really want to focus on, on creating technology to promote sustainability. So we called ourselves NanoLeaf. Um, and then since then, you know, we, we launched that uh, light bulb back in 2014. We created a whole range of uh, really, really energy efficient lighting, lighting products. Um, but then just recently we launched the Aurora, these triangular color changing light panels um, that you, you see up here. It's, it's all modular, so you can kind of piece it together however you want. Um, but the thinking was, you know, why, why does light have to come from a light bulb? You know, like it, it's like it's been like that for the last hundred years, and it was really modeled after like the candle. You know, how, how do we create something a little bit different? And when we came up with this, uh, you know, the market loved it. We we ended up launching it with uh, Best Buy, Apple Retail, Museum of Modern Art, um, and we're we're selling it in over thirty countries now. So you say the market loved it. What what has the market response been like? What with terms to numbers? Well, I I think. The main thing is, you know, even before we launched it, about eight months before we launched it, we, we showcased it at a trade show. And uh, one of the first retailers that reached out to us was the Museum of Modern Art. So, and, and this is the one, you know, based out of New York. They were like, we love the concept. How do we do a huge launch for you guys? So what they ended up doing was they created this huge wall display in the middle of Manhattan um, in both of their stores, actually. It was, it was really epic. Um, and then from there, you know, Best Buy picked it up. Now we're in like over 800 stores of, uh, across the U.S. and Canada. Um, and we're in like uh, pretty much all Apple retail stores around the world. So. Nice. So the, the Aurora system, just for everybody listening in podcast land, is it's flat. Mm -hmm. And you can connect to it. What, what's the biggest you've seen? What's the, what, what is a typical design? Who are your, who are your customers? Are they the... The, the standard, you know, preaching to the choir eco-warrior or who loves sustainability or, or are they like the, the mass market everyday, everyday Joe? So th that, that's a great question. Um, so the Aurora, for, for the people listening on the podcast, um, there are these modular triangular panels. So you could kind of piece it together however you want. Um, it's sort of like those tangrams where you could just kind of create your own shapes. Uh, the maximum that we recommend is 30 panels, although we have tested it internally up to about 60 panels. It works okay, but after that, the communication gets a little flaky. Um, so um, the, the biggest installation that we've seen was at the Anchorage Museum. They did about 1,200 pieces, and they basically um, created an entire wall that emulates the, uh, the northern lights, the aurora borealis. And basically, Beautiful. as the northern lights are going off, this huge wall with over a thousand light panels are just going off to it. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, your other question around uh, who is this marketed to? Is yeah, this the eco-warrior or, or the, the mass market? So when we first launched our original product, the, 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 the Nanoleaf light bulb, um, we had focused our messaging around how energy efficient it was, how much money it's going to save you, how, how environmentally friendly it was. And that message didn't really work. And it was kind of sad because, you know, the analogy we made was like, well, the people that are passionate about this, it's sort of like our target audience are the, the green thumb people. And it's kind of like the goths of the world. It's just such <laughs> a small percentage of people that actually care about this. And for us as a company, our goal is to make an impact. 
right? And, it, and if all we're doing is selling to these green thumb people, that impact is way too small. And what we found was that by expanding our technology to also include design, include user experience, and embed the energy efficiency aspects into it, then we were able to reach a much larger audience. What do you ultimately want your impact to be? Well, it's around reducing our overall environmental impact, right? So it's, it's lowering the energy footprint. Like, for example, each of these light panels, they use at most two watts of electricity. And that's a significant reduction from anything like incandescents or CFLs or anything like that. Um, overall, though, uh, I, think, I think our biggest impact is going to be in kind of replacing a lot of the halogen lights. I think halogen lights are still pretty prevalent right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's really our goal. We all know that obviously using an LED does, does reduce electricity. Right. Um, the panels are not, and, and they're beautiful to boot. How does NanoLeaf view sustainability? We, we view it as kind of a responsibility for every company to, to look at that. You know, it's, it's not even every company, it's every individual as well. And sustainability, it's just us as, as humans. Like, sure, we're, we're on this earth for like 100 years, but we should kind of take care of it. It's, it's kind of our, our duty, right? It's like, uh, you know, I, I talk to our team about this is like a, a lot. Like, you know, back in the day, people used to live off of their land. They used to respect their land. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, as capitalism came in, people lost track of that. Right? People were just focused on how do I be the most profitable? I don't really care about taking care of this land because the next generation will have to deal with it. But sustainability should be a responsibility that every individual thinks about and every person thinks about. So with sustainability in mind, what do we all need to know about the lighting industry? Well, I think the lighting industry, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges that we had was that because it's such a commodity, um, the, the biggest incentive that people have are to create the cheapest possible light bulb. And that kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Like, sure, you're creating LED light bulbs and it's supposed to be a lot more energy efficient, but like we found when we first launched our light bulb, our light bulb was twice as energy efficient. Don't get me wrong, it was twice as expensive as, as any <laughs> other LED light bulb. But in its lifetime, it still made sense to purchase our light bulb than the less energy efficient LED bulb. But how do you communicate that to, to the mass market when it's more expensive today? Well, I think it or was... Or how did you ultimately get the uptake? How did you get people to buy your product? It was really, really difficult. It, it wasn't really a problem that like, we as a company, I would say, solved. You know, the way that we worked around it was we changed our message from, hey, buy this because it's the most energy efficient thing possible to buy this because it's really, really cool and it's going to make your house look really epic and you're going to love it. And that people would, were like, sure, shut up and take my money, right? Yeah. Like, so so we, we kind of changed our messaging around that. And, and I think there's a lot of other like, great companies out there that are trying to change business models. Like I think Copower is an example of that, right? They're trying to change people's mindset on you know, how to actually like, adopt energy efficient technology, how to make it make sense to purchase a more expensive LED bulb that's more energy efficient, right? For the consumer market, I don't know how to solve that, right? It's, it's educating people, which is really, really expensive. But, okay, so I remember the first time we ever talked, you know, getting back to design and, and fun, you guys were participating in a hackathon because the new system, 
allows for uh, some type of audio audio capability or audio response. Can you explain or touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So for people in the audience, they could probably see how it, the, the light panels are reacting to sound and music. Um, well, right now it's just to our voices. Um, but there's all these different types of visual effects that you could do. So for example, I, I think I just changed it there. This one uh, actually reacts to different frequencies of sound. So it's, it's basically a, a music visualizer using our light panels. And developers here are able to create their own various lighting effects. We're actually hosting a, a hackathon this weekend. Gotcha. It's uh, at the University of Toronto. Um, and we're going to have uh, close to 100 really, really smart kids come, come down and, and create their own lighting effects. It's going to be really cool. If you guys are interested, come by. Um, we're going to have a lot of pizza and Red Bull. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, the, our, our way of seeing it is like part of the reason why people love our product is because like the lighting experience is more than just, you know, you, you, you buy a light bulb, you screw it in, you turn it on, and you're kind of done. With our product, you buy it, you bring it home, you gotta decide on what shape do you want, what pattern do you want, right? So because it's so modular, here we have this uh, rocket ship or, or Christmas tree, whatever you wanna call it. Um, you could create your own shape, and then after that, you could select the colors that you want. You could create your own kind of lighting effects. And even beyond that, even for how it re responds to sound and music, you could choose all these different effects that developers create, but on top of that, you could choose the colors that you want it to go, go with. So for example, if, if you know, your company logo has, has green and blue, then you could just select the green and blue colors and it'll go with that. Or you could create different shapes to, to kind of match your logo, that kind of thing. One of my favorite questions, what is the why behind Nanoleaf? What is the why? I, I think for us, um, you know, we, there's, we have three founders within the company. Mm -hmm. and. When we first started this company, you know, like uh, our passion came from back in the solar car days. And our passion was all around creating technology to really promote sustainability. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the lighting industry. It could be across uh, any in industry. But our goal was to solve some of the biggest problems that the world is facing. And, um, and we need to stay true to that as a company because um, you know, that's why we started it, right? The, if you meet the other two founders, all three of us, you know, money really isn't the, the main driver, but at the same time, we are a business. And, you know, unless you're sustainable as a business, it doesn't make sense. Otherwise, you might as well be a charity or a nonprofit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be sustainable, right? So for us, um, our key drivers are around sustainability as both uh, a company as well as sustainability towards the planet. Hey everyone, just a quick minute of ads to say thank you to our supporters. First to Bullfrog Power. Sustainable Joe's 2084 live event recordings are Bullfrog powered with 100% green electricity. You too can choose green energy for your home and support the development of community-based renewable energy projects across Canada at bullfrogpower.com. To Steam Whistle Brewing, from their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown beer bottle. Quote unquote, Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. 2084 is also thankful for the support of Buns, your city network. Buns connects you with the people in your neighborhood to find the things you need to fuel your real life or swap things you already have to get the items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes to rent, advice, and just a place to talk about your city. 
Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phone via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Lastly, this podcast is publicly funded. Thank you to all those who support our monthly Patreon campaign. And if you have the capacity to contribute, or if you would like your business to be highlighted, send us a message at sustainablejoes.com. That's Joes with an S, because whether you're Joseph or Joanne, together we are a group of Joes. Now, back to the show. So what does moving forward look like for Nanoleaf? Um, in the next year, we have some really cool products coming out. This is an example of one of them, the, the music visualization effect, which we're calling the uh, Aurora Rhythm. Um, we also have this really cool remote that uh, allows you to control lighting in a very unique and innovative way. Um, next year, we have a, a new iteration of the product that will really change the way people light up their spaces. And I think that's going to have a much bigger impact than um, you know, even what we have today. Can we get a taste of what that looks like? Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a step up from our current Aurora. I, I think that's all I'm allowed to say right now. Fair enough. <laughs> so every journey has its ups and its downs. What advice would you give entrepreneurs to avoid the downs? I, I don't think there is any way to avoid the downs. I think as an entrepreneur, you just got to suck it up and know that it's going to be a roller coaster ride and without the valleys, there would be no peaks. You know, sweet ain't as sweet without the bitter. And there's going to be a lot of bitter when you're an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) What have some of the biggest challenges you've faced been? And and, if you had to list three challenges or one challenge that comes to mind and and one success that, that also comes to mind. Uh, the challenges are, they, they come in on a daily basis, whether, and most of it is, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you want to focus on actually creating, creating cool stuff and, and innovating and, and pushing the technology forward, but you're often bogged down by legal issues, accounting issues, uh, you know, like finances and, and HR stuff. And those are the things that, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you, you kind of like you got to be prepared to deal with all of that or have someone else to deal with all that. Um, I think those are, are, are some of the challenges that, like, that I personally don't enjoy dealing with, uh, but I have to deal with all the time. Um, I think the wins, uh, you know, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, today was the first day that we saw the rhythm here set up with two nice speakers with some epic music going on at the beginning of this podcast. Thank you, Johnny. And, uh, you know, like me and Paul just sitting out there in the audience just looking at it and listening to music. It was, we were just jamming to it. It was a beautiful and thing. Yeah. It, 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 I, I was smiling. I mean, I saw many of you guys smiling as well. Yeah, but... Congratulations. So that, that feeling for me, just being able to see it outside of the lab, and we call it an aurora in the wild, right? <laughs> like, I think uh, one of the guys from CoPower showed me, he, was, he reached into his bag, and he was like, hey, check this out, I got one. Like, an aurora in the wild, that's always, like, <laughs> epic. That's just a, a great feeling. <laughs> you said that innovation can kind of be a, a challenge. Um, what, what is, do you guys have a, a standard operating procedure when it comes to just how do you innovate, how do you iterate, how do you improve? Yeah, I, I think one of our, our guiding principles is that, you know, if somebody else in the world is doing something, we don't want to do it. Um, that's, that's kind of a guiding principle that we try and follow. And the way we see it is like, you know, we, we as people, we should all be working together to push the boundaries of technology rather than 
creating a Me Too product, right? So, for example, it'd be really easy for us to just create a color-changing light bulb and put it on the market and say, hey, buy our light panels with our light bulbs. But there's all these other companies doing these light bulbs. It's just like, you know what? Just buy their light bulbs. We'll do something cooler, right? And that's, and that's one of the big challenges that we have. It's like, if somebody else is doing something, let's work together. And, you know, for us, we need to constantly be doing something new and different. Um, I, I would say that's... Fair enough. So, a, like a marriage, kind of coming full circle, a business is about creating something in the future. It's a commitment to your customers. Um, what type of tomorrow is NanoLeaf standing to build? Like in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years in the year 2084? Well, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I kind of answered this at the beginning. It's like, I see the world being sustainable. I, I see us having solved a lot of, like from a technology perspective, we've solved a lot of the problems that we're, we're facing in terms of sustainability. Um, and, you know, we as a company, our, our, our goal is to continue to create technology that kind of pushes us in that direction. Um, and we're going to constantly innovate and, and create really cool stuff that people love. So my last question, based off of all of your knowledge and experience, what question do you wish I would ask you right now? <laughs> and what's the answer? The funny thing is I kind of answered the question that I was going to ask you, you know, what do you think the state of sustainability is? And, you know, as an entrepreneur, me and, uh, you know, our, my, my co-founders, every day we're talking about, you know, what are the major problems with sustainability? And, you know, the name that comes up all the time is Elon Musk. Like, he's solved all these problems already. He's taken solar and gotten it super cheap. He's taken battery technology and, and kind of drove that down. And he's doing, like, you know, like you know, electric cars, and he's doing a great job of that. You know, I, I think overall, from a technology perspective, we've created a lot of that technology to get us to being sustainable. I think the big challenge now is people. Like, how do you get them to adopt all these things at a rate fast enough to to really get us in a state where it's like actually sustainable. Um, you know, some of the areas that I think still need uh, development are, one is waste. You know, I think if you look at how much waste we as people, like just individuals create every single week, it's disgusting. It's really disgusting. I think that's not really sustainable. Um, I think food production is really cool. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to explore some stuff around there. Um, but yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of things that we could still do to, to really like, push us further towards sustainability and 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 really like I think the problems around sustainability we did a great job in the last 15 years just solving them beautiful Jimmy Chu thank you so much eh? thank you so much for having me does anybody need another beverage quick stretch break no <laughs> We, we just crested the 20-minute mark, which means we're going to enter into the, the audience Q&A, and we have a special little treat. Each of the CEOs, they're going to be the first question to the other person. So, Sasha, if you will. Oh, yeah, microphone, just for everybody in, please. So I promise, I kind of, we kind of, co you know, got into cahoots earlier and kind of like primed each other for questions. Uh, but I'm going to switch it up on you. So I, I, <laughs> so I think one of the things I think about when I think about, you know, green technologies and uh, the cost of those technologies being, you know, uh, in a commodity driven uh, industry, um, how do you see amortization of costs? Like one of the things you encounter with solar cells and green technologies is amortizing the costs of that so that the savings can be realized. How do you see amortization in your products and the way you sell products? Do you think that applies at all? 
I think for us, it's uh, we try and stay away from the commodity things, right? And with light bulbs, we face that problem where um, the analogy I always gave is like nobody buys $20 toilet paper. It just people just don't buy that, right? So when you're trying to buy light bulbs, people are so used to buying these $1 incandescent light bulbs that when you try and tell them that, hey, it actually costs $10 for this LED bulb, they're like, what? That's ridiculous. It actually costs $10 to make that LED bulb. And that's what people don't realize, right? Sure, it'll last you 30 years, but people don't think about that. They just think, I want my $1 light bulb, right? So, so when we realized that, we knew that we needed to move away from that commodity world. So the more that you create innovation, something different, something special, that's part of the reason why we don't want to create something if somebody else in the world is already making it. Because then all of a sudden we just get into a price war and then there's no money to be made by anybody, right? And then we don't have a sustainable business and then it just goes against our... A race to the bottom, you ultimately get there. Exactly, yeah. Anybody else got a question? Elena. You get to say your name, what you do, and then your question, please. Hi, my name is Elena. Um, I'm the founder of One Species, which we'll talk about later. Uh, thank you so much for being here. It was great hearing you chat about Nanoleaf. Um, I wanted to ask, in the early days of your company, kind of gearing it towards, like, gearing it towards people who are interested in, in working on their own projects, their own companies, um, towards sustainability, whatever their objective is. Um, you know, what were the major obstacles that, that you faced as an individual and with your team in, in pushing to build this? And uh, how, how did you overcome them? I think uh, starting a company, there's just all sorts of obstacles. I think the first one that's probably most obvious is funding. Um, we, we were kind of self-funded for, for quite some time. Um, we had full-time jobs while doing this on the side, but luckily for us, you know, we, we kind of enjoyed doing it and we had a lot of fun while doing it. Um, I, I think, like, we didn't really start this with the idea that we're going to start a company. I think that's, that's kind of a, a, a unique angle because nowadays everyone's wanting to become an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, one of the, the words of advice that I give to a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs is, like, you got to first learn how to, like, Learn how to follow before you can learn how to lead. Because if you don't know how to follow, then you're not going to know how to be a great leader, right? And for me, I, I worked for like eight, nine years before I ended up running Nanoleaf. And if I didn't do that, I probably would have failed really hard at running a company. Um, and, and I think the, the challenges that we had, true, there's all sorts of technical challenges. You know, our first set of light bulbs that were supposed to come out, they were supposed to come out white. They ended up going through the oven and then they turned out brown, like it, it just got <laughs> baked. And you know, we had supplier issues in China, we had, you know, like shipping stuff, like we, like we had to personally pack like a thousand light bulbs, like, and then put shipping labels on top of them. Like it's, it was, you know, like it, it, we, we, we had challenges and we didn't know how to sell these things. So we would literally go door to door to all the lighting showrooms in Toronto and try and sell these things, right? And, and I think, you know, you, sometimes you just got to learn the hard way, right? There's, there's, you're not going to be an entrepreneur, like, by not failing a gazillion times and being kind of uh, immune to what it feels like to fail. It was, it was just really a numbers game. And eventually you figure out the path that will help you succeed. And, yeah, I think being optimistic is, is also really, really important, too, because otherwise it becomes really demoralizing. <laughs> Anybody else? 
Hi, I'm John, and I work for Strelson as a digital media manager. Um, my question is, how much does a panel cost um, retail? And then I have one other question, which is, are you guys have any plans to get back into solar energy? Oh, good questions. Um, so right now we retail the nine pack for two twenty Canadian dollars, one ninety nine US dollars. So it's actually cheaper in Canadian dollars. I was going to say, so the deal's Canadian. Yes, the deal's Canadian. Um, we we actually just launched our Canadian storefront after quite quite some time. It was kind of hard with Shopify and stuff. Um, we the other question around oh so the the starter kit is nine panels. The, the we also have three panel expansion packs, which is seventy dollars Canadian and $60 US. It's still cheaper in Canadian. <laughs> uh, the other question around solar technology, uh, at the moment, we don't have, um, uh, we don't have a plan to, to kind of release our solar product. It was a really, really cool product. I wish we launched it. It, we, we, it was a 100 watt solar panel that plugs into this big lithium ion battery, and it had this little screen on there, a little touch screen that allowed you to see in real time like how much power was coming in. Like, and if you've connected a device, it'll tell you, oh, you have this much time left on your battery. If it was drawing more power, then you'll, it'll all of a sudden shrink down and say, oh, you have 10 hours left on your battery. Um, and it was really cool. If you walked past the solar panel and there was some shade, then all of a sudden the power coming in would drop. And it's a really cool product. But we just didn't know how to certify it. We didn't know how to ship it. Right? Lithium ion is, is basically shipping a bomb. Right, and we're basically selling these bombs to people, and <laughs> and it was all made in China before we knew how to certify stuff. So it just it you know I think it we we spent like three four years developing that product, and that led us to developing our first light bulb, which led us to developing something like this. So and and this was the product that actually got us mainstream. Right before that, with our light bulbs, we were selling at a much smaller scale. Right, and, um, so it's. You know, I think those were all kind of stepping stones to getting to where we're at. So I don't see it as like, oh, what a waste of time. It was just, we needed to go through that. That was my conversation with Jimmy Chu, the CEO of Nanoleaf. You can find out more about Nanoleaf at nanoleaf.me. And if you want to see the Aurora in action, we will have a demo at our second live event recording on August the 23rd in downtown Toronto, Ontario. You can find the link to tickets in this episode's description. As always, if you know someone or some company that is creating a sustainable tomorrow right now, let us know and maybe we'll highlight them right here on the 2084 podcast. Thank you to Koji Nagata and the entire Buns Podcast Network. Thank you to CoPower for hosting this live event. Thank you to Steam Whistle for the green beer. Thank you to Bullfrog Power for the 100% green energy. And thank you for listening. You can subscribe to 2084 on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do us a favor and leave us a review while you're there. Lastly, thank you to everyone who supports this project. We are publicly funded, and if you have the capacity, please consider a monthly contribution to our Patreon campaign. You can find the link at sustainablejoes.com. As always, music for this episode was provided by Wolf Saga. You can find them on Facebook by searching Wolf Saga. In closing, I leave you with a song from Wolf Saga. I thank you for listening, and I hope to see you on August the 23rd at our second live podcast recording event. Bye for now. P.S. The future looks bright, my friends.